to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. You have two little pieces of paper if you want to as well. We're going to go to two other places. One will be Matthew chapter 7. So Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. So Matthew chapter 7. And we'll be in also in 1 Timothy 6 today. So Matthew 7, 1 Timothy 6. It starts off with James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But... Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he passes away. For no sooner than has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass." Its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. And so last week we talked and we introduced the the book of James, and we talked about James and that he was the brother of Jesus. And and just the the benefit and the, the hard, how hard that it would have been to have your brother being perfect all the time. I mean, he had the benefit of of being around God and being around somebody who was a great example, but then also having to realize that I'm not perfect and I'm not and I'm messing up and I'm and I'm doing things wrong and I'm getting in trouble and my, my brother never does get in trouble. And how just how difficult that would have been and, and just there would have been, you know, just it would have been hostile towards him. I mean, you would have been frustrated by your brother. I mean, some of us too. I mean, if you've grown up and you had a sibling and you got in trouble and they didn't get in trouble, you're like, well, well, why didn't they get in trouble? You know, well, yeah, see? And so it wasn't, well, well, because you messed up and I caught you, you know? I mean, that's why. Well, Jesus never messed up, so there was no catching to do. And so as you can understand, James wasn't a believer the entire time while, while Christ was alive. And so for the first 30 years, he's just, oh, that's my brother who just does everything perfect. Then the 30 years after that, the three years after that, when, when Christ starts his ministry, now all of a sudden he and his brothers start seeing Jesus is out there and now he's claiming that he's God and he's doing all these miracles and stuff like that. And they just kind of, they kind of mock him, you know, and they just don't want to, they just don't believe it. They don't want to believe it. They, they seen that he's perfect and they seen, man, this guy does have a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge. And again, as we talked about it, is, is Mary and Joseph did something right in their house because you've got James who ends up being the head of the, the church in Jerusalem. You've got Jude who wrote a book in the Bible as well. So you see already that there's two very strong believers, very understood the law. They understood what it was that they were going through through their whole life. So they were, they were students of the scriptures. And then Jesus, actually, when he dies, one of the people that he comes back to after he's resurrected is James. And I just look at that and I just, again, I'm in awe of that, of the fact that, that Jesus thought so much of it 
that he said, I, I want to go and I want to see James, my brother. And I want to come before him and say, look, man, I, I was, it really was me. That's exactly what I was talking about. And I think James at that moment probably dropped to his knees and, brother, I, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? And we don't have that recorded in there, but uh, seeing the rest of James's life, you could kind of see where, you know, he was a man of prayer. He, James the just, I mean, again, he was, he was somebody who was looking for this person and then it is his brother and, and then I think he just caught on fire. And then I think that then he becomes the head of the church and, and, and it's a great thing. And last week as we started talking about this, it was, you know, he's talking to the church that scattered the, the new church, the new starting of the church and it's Jewish Christians and they're, they've scattered. They have nowhere to go and they're being, they're being tormented and they're being, you know, under tribulation. And, and, and he starts off with this at the beginning and just says, Hey, count it all joy when you come to the, the problems like this. Count it joy. Well, yes. Because it's developing perseverance in you. And we talked how perseverance was, was toughness. There was a toughness that they were, that they were developing that if you're going to be a believer, if you're in China right now, or if you're in the Middle East and you're a Christian and you're being persecuted, and, and you, need a, you need a toughness about you. You need a toughness to go, man, whatever comes upon me, man, I, I'm going back to Jesus. I'm going back to the Lord. I can't have this, this kind of wishy-washy faith. I, I need to have some toughness in me. And so he's saying, look, you need to have some perseverance. And that's what, that's what this is developing within you. And it's going to draw you back to Jesus. It's going to draw you back to the, to God and say, you know what? This toughness, I, come on, bring it on. You know, we talked about the disciples that they had gotten beaten because they were preaching Christ. And then they were good. They got into jail and they, hey, you know what? We're going to let you guys go, but first we're going to beat you. And then we're, then we're going to let you guys go. And we kind of laughed about that because then once they got released, they were like, whoa, man, we got beat up today for Christ. And they were just all excited. And they're like, well, what are you going to do? Man, we're going to go preach Christ again. Why? Because I can't wait to get beaten again. You know, it just, it just doesn't sound right. But there was a toughness about them. They understood that it, that it truly is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And they understood the fact of it is so important that we do this, that we, stay, we stand firm in our faith, and that we continue to get out there and present the gospel to people. And that they didn't back away. Why? Because there was a toughness about that. They had gone through trials and that they were ready for the next step in their life. So as they go through this, James then opens up in verse 5 and he says, If any of you lacks wisdom... And I, and I think James is just, again, he's kind of being nice there because it's like, if any of you guys lack wisdom, I, I, I think you all lack wisdom. So, I mean, he's just being a nice guy there. I mean, it's, but again, there's a transition within these words and, and if is, is translating it into a different, different part of the sentence and different part of the paragraph. If any of you lacks wisdom. And I think it's important for us to understand that, that wisdom is different than knowledge. You know, knowledge is the, is facts, it's information, it's skills that's acquired by a person through experience or education. It's the theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. Which means that, hey, I sat there, I read a book, and it says that you need to do it this way. You know, and we've all had those bosses. We're like, well, hey, the book says it, you gotta do it this way. And you're like, dude, you've never, UPS, you've never been out here driving the truck. You don't know what you're talking about. You sit in a little room, you get on your little computer, and you tell me that this is the best way to drive to deliver these packages. However, the rest of us out here in the real world understand that I can't go that way. Why? Because there's this and this and this. There's wisdom. Wisdom is actually the application of knowledge. 
So it's a point of where you get this knowledge that's within you and then real life happens and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I've got this knowledge, but that's not really going to work that way. I need to kind of take that and I need to kind of maneuver it this way so that I can actually get the job done. And so the point is, it's a point where we, we all know people who are really, really smart, but yet like can't tie their own shoes. You know, you know those kind of people. And so they have a lot of knowledge, but then when it comes to life, you're like, Dude, you're dumb as a box of rocks, man. Why, what are you doing? You can't do that. And it's like, well, it's because I have knowledge, but I don't know how to do it. You know, the Bible talks about how, you know, gray-haired men, and, and so I'm starting to get a little gray with a little bit that I have left, so I'm getting a little wisdom now, but gray-haired men have, have wisdom. And it's not the fact that they have knowledge. They have knowledge, and they've gone through some ups and downs in life, and all of a sudden you've gone through some stuff, and then as a younger person comes along and they ask you questions, you're like, well, yeah, I, I hear you on that. And this is some of the things that's gone through in my life. And then you're able to pour into somebody and, and they're able to kind of take them, some of that information and then typically as a younger person, as I was at one point, like, yeah, thanks so much for that information. I'm going to go do it my way, you know? And then you do it your way and it messes up and you're like, gosh, I should have listened to that guy. Because right? it's so much smarter to do it, somebody with wisdom. It just helps you in that. So let him ask of God who gives liberally. So again, it's it's God who then, if you come to God and you say, hey, Lord, I'm really going through this problem right now, and I need, I don't need just knowledge, Lord, I need your wisdom. And then God looks upon you and he says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm not just gonna give you a little, a little bit of knowledge here. I give it liberally. I, I just give you, I just give it to you, man. I, I want to. Why? Because as my child were to come to me, I'd be like, man, I just want to give you as much as I possibly can. It's probably the problem with parents as I too, is we just, we just dump a whole bunch of knowledge into them and they're like, I don't know what to do with all this stuff, but, but you just love them so much. You know, you're just like, oh, I don't want you to do this and I don't want you to do, oh man, and don't do this, you know, cause I did that one time. That was really dumb. Don't do that. And it's kind of like driving in the car and you're just like, and again, it's another driving example. I'm sorry. But as you get in the car and you're just like, oh, well, you want to kind of do this and you want to kind of do that. And it's like sometimes you just got to kind of just shut up. Why? Because sometimes we just get, we give too much. Well, when God gives liberally, it's the perfect amount, it's the perfect information, and it's perfect wisdom. There's no holding back, there's no, there's no wrong wisdom that God's gonna give you. He's gonna give it all to you, because it's perfect. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. For the Lord gives knowledge, gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. So going back to verse 4, when we talked about verse 4 was, was creating a maturity within a Christian. Last week we talked about that is, is what God is trying to do is, one, He wants to toughen you up, but He also wants us to be mature in our faith. There's a maturity that needs to happen. We can't just continue to sit here in a pew or in a chair, in our case, and just drink milk all the time and not do anything. Well, at some point, there needs to be a maturity within your faith that says, hey, this has happened in my life. I'm going to react to it, and I'm going to come back to God, and I'm going to pray about it. And then at the same point, I'm going to be mature enough in my faith that I'm going to continue to reach out to people even when maybe I'm a little tired or maybe I don't feel like it today. But there's a maturity, and I understand that. Hey, man, I trust in God, and I want to I want to kind of do things for God, and I want to continue to get out there. There's a maturity that's within us. Well, well, if we have a maturity, then we understand that all wisdom comes from God. Well, where am I going to go when I don't know what to do? I'm going to go back to God. Why? Because there's a maturity, and there's a desire to come back to the one who has created me, the one who is, you know, can count every hair on your head, the one who counts me as the apple of his eye. And so I draw back to the one who's created me and go, no, go, God, you, you're the one who knows all things. And so why would I go to somebody else? 
God gives liberally. He, he openly, sincerely. He just, he just gives it to you. And, and it's led only by his desire to bless. Only by the desire to bless us. Because God doesn't have to give it to us, but he wants to give it to us. He wants to just bless you today with that wisdom. And he wants to just, uh, just openly, I just want to give you a whole bunch of stuff. Why? Because I just love you. And I want to bless you. And without reproach, he doesn't, he doesn't despise our request. He doesn't look at us and go, that's a stupid question. You know, I mean, why are you asking that? Well, it's because I'm stupid. I don't know, God. I just, that's, that's where I'm at today. And I, I just, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to say stupid. I'm sorry. It's an S word. We prayed over it in, the, in this morning and at, um, before church and, we had the kids with us and it was really sweet and, you know, Raylan's in there and, and, um, Candemonium's in there and, and they did a really good job. They were quiet and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and Owen's over there too. And Owen always prays. I used to love when Josh was over there because typically whatever Josh prayed in that morning, because it's from the, the heart of a child, whenever I prayed up here before the service, something that he said, some verse or something like that, that's what I would pray then that morning. It was just, it was just awesome. It was like from the Lord. And so, um, Owen's over there this morning and, and he, his prayer was, and, and this is just the, the beautifulness of a child is, you know, he's praying for some different stuff and whatever. And then just out of nowhere, Lord, just thank you so much for your Bible that that shows us what sin is and what separates us from you. And you're just like, I'm not worthy to teach today. You know, I mean, it was just so I'm like, I'm teaching on wisdom. And this child comes out with wisdom to say that we need to thank God this morning for his word that it doesn't, it's not a rule. A lot of us look at this and go, oh, it's rules. God's just burdening us with rules and just don't do this and don't do that. No. What it is is it's a, it's a blessing because it shows us what separates us from him. Otherwise, we wouldn't know what we were doing wrong. We, we wouldn't know what sin was. Well, I can't come before you. Well, it's because you broke my rules. Well, what rules? I hadn't given them to you yet, but you broke them. No, God says, man, I love you so much that the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments. And then I'm going to give you the rest of the Bible. Why? Because I want you guys to be able to study this. And I want you guys to understand kind of what you shouldn't be doing. And then I want to kind of encourage you guys on things that you need to be doing. And so this is the beginning of wisdom here. You come to his word and you understand that it's it's not a terrible thing that we understand what's ever. It's just it's kind of the rules of the game. Reggie told me this a long time ago is, you know, one of the examples he would use is is a football field. And I know it's kind of surprising that we were talking about football, but we were talking about football. And he said, you know, the reason, you know, he would he would tell kids, why do you guys like football? And they would give him a bunch of reasons. And and one of them was like, you know, just you know what, you know, the out of bounds was out of bounds. You know what a penalty was. And he said, exactly. He goes, so that way you couldn't just run out of bounds at the five-yard line in yours, run all the way down to the other side, and then jump in and be a touchdown. Why? Because you were out of bounds. You were down there. And so, again, the same thing as life is, it gives us the fact that we know what the rules are. Within the, the field of football, within the field of our lives, we're allowed to do anything that we want to do within those rules that God has set up. So, actually, it turns around that there's freedom. I know the things that I shouldn't allow, shouldn't be doing, but then I also know what I'm allowed to do. Why? Because it fits within that. And even in that, there's wisdom within that. Because then it allows us to be able to live freely and openly to whatever God wants us to do. I look at a, a wisdom as far as an, an Operation Christmas Child, uh, Franklin Graham, and just the fact that he started off with a vision of, I just want to give shoeboxes to kids at Christmas time throughout the world. And that was his beginning hope. 
And you guys remember at the beginning, we were just taking, you know, you bought some Nikes and you're grabbing that box and you're throwing a bunch of stuff in there. And now it's progressed to, now they've got certain, you know, plastic ones because they know that they can use those plastic boxes. That's like an extra gift to them. Now they can store stuff in there. And now they've got all these, these places all over the country that people come in and they, they box everything up and they know what they need to have and what they don't need to have and they have extra stuff to throw in there in case they take a bunch of stuff out. And then they, they fly them overseas and now they've got people that they've trained up now in whatever countries those are to then be able to present the gospel. And then they come out with little booklets to be able to hand it. That wasn't his original desire. That wasn't his original plan. God had placed inside of him and said, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to bless kids throughout the entire world. All right, let's do it. And so he starts the process and then God continues. Lord, how would we do this? Well, I want you to do, I need to do this. And I want you to do this. And God just continues to grow Franklin Graham's ministry to now it's amazingly different than what the original desire was. But the desire is still happening. So instead of just getting a, a Christmas box, they're actually getting the gospel. And as you heard them say, now the greatest gift that they've ever received is Jesus Christ. And so that happens through wisdom. That's not just a man's plan that comes along because no man would be able to sit there and, and think it through all the way through. But here it is. God does that and then God raises up different people to be able to, to perform those tasks that he's called that he wants the ministry to do. And then it happens from there. Verse 6 moves on. So if, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. But... And again, those words are important. The if is important. The but is important. Why? Because now he's changing it again. But again, if you don't do that, let, let him ask of faith with no doubting. For who, who, he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So again, the transition there, but. And so he's saying, well, how are you asking me? So this person's there. So, but let him ask in faith. So how are you supposed to ask God for these things? You're supposed to ask him in faith, right? You're supposed to come before God and you're supposed to, with no doubting, come before him. And so in faith, I approach him. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Please who? Please God. It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So again, Hebrews eleven six here says, but without faith, it is impossible to come before God and please him. It's impossible. One, you, if you don't have the faith of who God is, then you think he's just, he's a Santa Claus. He's a, you know, if you're ever on those blogs and people say, oh, he's the made up person that you talk to or the Santa Claus that you're talking to. And, um, I really need to get off those things because then I get all fired up and, and everything. But I'm like, oh yeah, well, but it, Steve does that. I don't reply to him, but Steve does. So, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. And so it's impossible. Why? Because I don't believe him anyways. So with faith that, that again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that I don't have the faith. God gives it to me. Okay. That, so that it's not something that I can claim that I did myself. So God has given me the faith to then turn around and then have the faith to come to God and say, God, I believe you. And the only reason I would be praying right now is because I actually believe that there is a God. And so he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him diligently. So I don't come to God just to kind of just shoot up a prayer. I come to God because I know that it's him. And I have a desire because through maturity of my faith and through my walk with him that we talked about already with James is with maturity it draws me to want to come to God and pray to him. It realized I, that I am nothing without God. That I'm just a little speck 
on a little planet in this huge, massive solar system in this huge, massive universe that doesn't matter to anything. That's how small we are. We're nothing in the grand scheme of just the universe. And so, but, but when I seek Him out and I come to Him, well, now I'm, I'm mighty. Not me, but God. Why? Because God is just so rewarding and He loves me so much. This little insignificant nothing on this little insignificant planet in the middle of nowhere in the universe. As we come to God, do we believe that God is real? I think that's the next question. A lot of times we, we get going in life and we just don't really believe that God is real. We get, a, we get a little bit of the world going and we start chasing a little bit of money or we start chasing some relationships. And so then all of a sudden God is just not as important as He once was. And, and that's just through, you, you're just getting trying to drown out the weeds, you know, the weeds and the tares as far as the, the sower of the seed. And the weeds and the tares of the world kind of come up within your faith. And all of a sudden, maybe maybe you believed God at one point, but now, man, these tares and these relationships and stuff like that have kind of just, just kind of pushed them out. And all of a sudden, you can't see that plant anymore. Why? Because there's a bunch of stuff in there. And so we've allowed this stuff to come within our life. And then all of a sudden now, it's like, well, what do I believe in? I'm not even sure, man, but I'm, I mean, I guess I'll pray to him. I guess I'll pray to God. But you need to come before the God of all creation and lay your petitions at his feet. Again, he's, he wants to liberally give to you. So I need to be able to come to him and know that the Lord is real and that the Lord wants to hear from me. He wants to. He doesn't require a perfect faith. Mark nine twenty four says, and he was talking about the the, the demon possessed boy, and um, and so what happened there is there's a, a boy that's just demon possessed, and and it's kind of funny because he he says, hey look man Jesus, I, I came to your disciples and I asked them to cast him out and and they couldn't, you know, and they're like ooh, you know, like they just got thrown under the bus, you know, to Jesus. He just come down and they're like, hey look, your disciples are worth nothing, you know, can can you help me out please? And, and Jesus just kind of shakes his head because he's like, what are you guys doing, you know? And so Jesus walks up and, you know, it's gone. And, and so, but, but before that, he's looking at him and says, hey man, what, what, what is going on? And, and he's like, I, I believe, Lord. I believe. And that's why I've come to your disciples. I, I believe. But, but Lord, help me with my unbelief. And I think a lot of times within our life, it's, it's, man, I, things are hard, God. And I, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm trying to count it joy, James, okay, in my various trial. And, and Lord, I'm, I'm coming to you and I'm asking you for some wisdom here and I need help. But man, you don't understand again, I, I'm going through a hard time. And so you have that faith. I don't think God is asking and saying, you gotta have a perfect faith all the time. Why? Because this, again, like I said last week, life is hard. Life is a difficult thing. And I think there's times where, man, I, I believe and I trust in the Lord and I love the Lord, but Lord, help me with my unbelief because, again, I'm looking at a situation that is, is, is insurmountable. I don't know how I'm going to survive this. And so, again, I don't think that he's looking at you and saying, no, you've got to be perfect in your faith before you come to me. Why? Because that's not what it is. You know, your child comes to you. They're, they're a childlike faith. They don't have all the wisdom and knowledge, but they're coming to you. Why? Because they're crying out to somebody who does. And many times it's the same thing with us. As, as we come before the Father, we've just got to know that, hey, look, I, I'm just a child right now. And God, I just, I love you. Let me crawl up in your lap. Can you just give me peace? Can you give me something in your word? Let me seek out your word. Lord, can you, can you bring a brother or a sister in my life and just, just to give me a word of counsel and, and a, a time of prayer and, and to know that somebody else knows, that you've sent somebody to me. And that I know that, you, God, you're, you're working in this. Help me with my unbelief. 
The other side of that is, is, is King Solomon in 1 Kings 3, you know, David has died, King David has passed away, and Solomon's now taking over, and, and so, God, you know, is talking to him in a dream, and he says, you know, Solomon, I, man, whatever you want, I'm gonna give it to you. And, and Solomon, you know, doesn't say, I would have been like, hey, three more wishes, you know, I want three more, you know, give me three things, you know, and he doesn't do that, but he's, so humble at that time in his life was Solomon. He said, Lord, I just, I just want to have a heart to properly judge your people. You know, I wish we had leaders like that today. That God, I just want a heart to properly lead your, your people. And God just looks at it and goes, man, that is, that is a fantastic prayer. You know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to, I'm going to give you that. But I'm going to give you your three other wishes. And I'm just going to give you everything else. Man, you're going to have, you're going to be the richest that, that anybody's ever seen. You're going to have wisdom upon wisdom. I mean, Solomon, you've, you've got it. You've got it all. But the interesting thing is that he didn't hold it back from him knowing that eventually what Solomon was going to do. You know, Solomon didn't live the perfect life. Solomon at some point got lost in all the money and got lost in all the faith and got lost in all the knowledge. So it's not like Solomon, God looked down the road and said, no, I, I can't give you that because, you know, you're going to fail. Well, we're all going to fail. God didn't look at him and say, look, I, I can't give that to you because, you know, I know what's going to happen down the road, down, down the road and you're just going to, you're just going to fail miserably. He said, no, I, I look at you right now and, and with that heart, man, I, I, I truly want to bless you. I want to answer that prayer that you have. Why? Because you've come to me with just the, the pureness of who you are. There has to be no doubting. To be at variance with oneself and to hesitate, you know, to, to doubt is, is to kind of be like, I don't know. You know, you gotta come, you gotta be all in when you come to God. You've got to, just gotta bring it there. So Matthew 21, 21, it says, and Jesus answered and said to them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but even if if you loosely, to, if you can move this mountain and say, "Hey, take it up and can't carry it to the sea," that will happen. And so God says, "Look, what He had done is Jesus had had withered a fig tree, and they all looked at it and they're like, "Wow, that's that's pretty, that's amazing. How'd you do that?" You know. And so He's like, "That's nothing. Listen to me. If you if you come before God, and you've got faith, just just as much as you can muster, man, you can look at that mountain and you can just kind of toss it in the sea if you want to." Well, you look at that and you're like, that's impossible. But that's the point is it's, it's in your own flesh, it is impossible. But when you look at that mountain within your life and you come before God and you come to Him with the faith that you can muster up, a mustard seed, the smallest, they'd say the smallest seed, it's not the smallest seed, but a really, really small amount of faith. But if you've got, if that's all that you've got and you bring it to God and you say, Lord, man, I'm coming to you right now and this is all that I can muster right now in my life. He says, that mountain that you're facing within your life, I'm going to handle that. I'm going to take care of it. Why? Because again, I I love you and I give liberally to you. And I want you to understand that, that with the maturity and as we continue to walk through this life, man, I'm going to help you with that problem that you have. Now, again, the problem that we have is that we've already presumed what God should go ahead and and, and answer that prayer. You know, it's kind of like Garth Brooks song, you know, I I thank God for unanswered prayers. Any old people remember Garth Brooks? Anyways four of us. So anyway, so, so he was thanking God that, you know, he had been dating somebody and he was praying, Lord, just, I want that to be my wife. And then, you know, he sees her later on, they're not married in an old school function. And he saw her and he was like, man, I'm glad she's not my wife, you know? And, um, and so typical cowboy fashion. And then he looks over his wife and I, I look at her and so thankful for God's unanswered prayers, you know? And so the same thing in our lives, a lot of times we come before God and we've laid out 
what we want God to do. You know, so it's not like I'm coming to God for help. I'm coming God to answer what I've already helped him with. You know, so it's like, God, I want, I need help with this, you know, my finances, you know, because I want to do this, this, and this, and this, and this with it. Okay. So he's like, whoa, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not here for that. I, are you praying for help? Are you helping, praying for wisdom how to do that? Or are you you're asking me to do whatever you've asked me to do? There's two different things there. So that's not faith. That's a point of I've come to God and I've already, I've kind of already presumed what he's going to do for me. So it says, but, but let him ask of faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave that's tossed by the sea and driven. I'm sorry, I totally messed that up. Wave by the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And it's like a wave. And for us in, in, in Florida, it's easy for this illustration because we've all kind of seen waves and all. But, but, but when we look at that, it's, it's the, it's the up and down as far as what waves do. It's, it's, there's no firmness and there's no commitment to a wave. The wave just kind of comes in and it just kind of goes out. And, and if you've been out there, you can stand there and here comes a wave. It just kind of goes through. There's no controlling it. I mean, you can't sit there and go stop, you know, and there's no force, you know, we don't have the force, so we can't stop it, you know, and so we, we, we have to just allow that wave just to kind of come through. And, and so unfortunately with people, sometimes it's, that's their faith as well. You know, it, one commentator said that one time, that, ca- that, that one time cast on the shore of faith and hope and another rolled back into the abyss of unbelief. And so, so a point, some point your, your faith comes in and it's strong and it comes to shore and you're like yes jesus is great i love god and then all of a sudden something happens in your life and you know your faith goes back out to sea into the abyss and then comes in the wave again and you're like praise god praise jesus yes lord and then your faith goes back out i mean that's an illustration right there as floridians that we can look at and understand because why we've seen that and then all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to point at other people and then you realize, man, that's that's been me. How many times in my life that I've been like, yes, Lord, this is awesome. And then the tears of life come in and all of a sudden you're like, and then all of a sudden a surgery happens or something happens to your family and you're like, Jesus, I love you. Take care of these people and take care of me. And you're super strong. And then all of a sudden it just quietly goes back out. And, and, and James is saying, look, don't, don't be that guy. But let him ask a faith with no doubting. Again, you can't doubt when you come. You have to be all in. You have to push the chips in on life and say, God, whatever it is that you want, I'm ready for you. Because he who doubts is like a wave of sea. It's just kind of tossed in and out. There's no firmness to your belief. There's no maturity in what you believe in. There's no substance at all. You know, you take your Bible home and you, the only time you open it is when you come on Sunday mornings. Well, there's no firmness to what your belief is. Why? Because you're not continuously investing within what your faith is. Well, how do I know how to answer a question unless I study my Word of God? One of the benefits of teaching each week is the fact that I've got to be ready each week. So I'm like in my Word all the time. So it's great. It's awesome. But guess what? I could do that all the time. But my weeds and tears of life kind of get in there and I kind of put it off and, oh, I'll get to that next time. Verse 7 says, For... Again, talking about the person that we just talked about. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded and unstable in his ways. For if you doubt, okay, so if you doubt, I mean, does that sound fair? I mean, it sounds sounds fair, does it not? So if, if I doubt and I'm coming before the Lord and go, man, I don't know if you're really real or not, but if you could help me out, that'd be great. What? You know, what, what are you talking about? You know, no, I, do you, do you believe or not believe? Well, you know, I'm not sure. I'm kind of on the, 
on the fence post here, you know. I mean, I kind of see some stuff, and it's kind of cool, but, but man, if you could really help me out, you know, the winning numbers, the lottery, or something like that, I would really appreciate it. And God says, no, man, don't even bring that here. I, 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 don't, I don't even, I just, just, just disregard this. I See, I've got my kids over here that, man, I want to, I want to bless, and I want to liberally just pour into them. Why? Because I just, I just love them, I want to bless them. But when we come to Him and there's, there's absolutely no faith, there's no substance to anything that we believe in, and then we just come before Him and do that. Now, I will say this, God is God, and He can do whatever He wants to, and if He's going to use that opportunity to just intervene into somebody's life and go, you know what I'm going to do? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless your socks off right now to show you that I am real. God can do that. Why? Because He's still performing His will on somebody's life. But if I'm just kind of coming, have you ever seen the, what is it, uh, the mummy movie? What is it? The Mummy, I think it is what it is. Anyways, Brandon Fraser. You know, the Mummy movie. They should come up with a simpler name to that movie. Uh, anyways, so from what I hear, it's The Mummy. And so there's that one guy that sits there, and he's got each you know, each little religion necklace on. He's just, and he sits there, and there's the mummies coming at him just kind of kill him. And he sits there, and he goes through each religion and just kind of prays. You know, so one was Buddha, one was, you know, whatever, one was Christian. And then he gets to the the the, the Jewish one, and he sits there, and he says it in Hebrew, and he goes, and the mummy stops. He's like, well, I can use you. Why? So he was using, he, he was, there's no substance to his faith. He was just kind of playing it safe with all the religions. He's like, you know, I'm going to take no chances here. I'm going to kind of be happy with all of them and hope that that just, just get me enough to get into heaven. So it's, you can't you can't do that with God, though. You can't be that mummy guy with God. You have to kind of be all in because, you know, Jeremiah 29.13 says, just in case you wonder, hey, how do, I, how do I do that? Well, Jeremiah 29.13 says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Again, so it's, it's again, God is saying, look, you got to be committed to me. You can't just kind of come to me a little bit. you got to say, hey, look, he said, look, you will find me. You want to know how you find me? you got to sit there and you got to just seek me with everything that you have. And it's amazing when you get down on the floor and you are going through some struggles, and we all do this. I mean, if something happens in your life, there's a natural disaster or there's there's a sickness or there's money problem. I mean, we're all like, man, we are on our knees and we're just crying out to God with every single thing that you've got. I mean, we've all been there before, okay? So we sit there, we come before God, and God says, man, when you seek me with all of your heart and there's no distractions of life in there and there's no, there's no TV on and there's no financial thoughts and there's no, you're just, it's just you and God at that moment. Is that not some of the greatest times that you've ever spent with the Lord? Why? Because you've sought him with all your heart and he says, this is what I've been waiting for. I, I, you, you, you're going to find me now. Why? Because I'm here. And let's just, the two of you, let's just con- commune and let's just talk and let's just pour into me and let me pour back into you. Why? Because I love you and I want to just, I want to spend this time with you. And it just, you've, you've sought me and, and all the distractions of life and the stuff of life has just kind of gone astray. And here it is, just you and I. Oh, this is great. I love this time. And God just soaks it in and he's appreciating of it. Revelation 3, though, is the other side of this, and it's the church of Laodicea, and it's, you know, Jesus, Jesus says, you know, you're, you're neither hot or you're cold, you're lukewarm. And I, I just spew that out of my mouth. An illustration I always think of is in our, in our house, Christine will just leave water in the car, you know, and it's, she'll just get in the car and she'll drink it, you know, you want some? And I'm like, like I spew it before I even drink it. You know what I mean? Like, ugh, that's it. how could you drink that? It just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, she's like, what? It's water. And she just drinks it. What? You know, it just, I'm like, what is that? So she's thirsty and she'll drink it. And I'm like, no, I'm going to stay in the desert. I'm dying. Okay. I'm not drinking that stuff. So, so, 
So she's living, so it's good. So, but anyway, so, but Jesus looks at it and says, look, you, you haven't made a decision. You haven't even made a decision of whether you're going to be hot for Christ or you're going to be against me. Okay. The problem with you is, is you're right here in the middle. Okay. And I think that that's the problem with America today is, is that America is this. They're, they're, they're just in the, yeah, I got a foot in the church and I got a foot in the business world and I don't really care that I have to really commit all in. And Jesus is saying, look, I want you either just spiritually on fire for me, and I want you hot for me, and I want you like the, the, the apostles that are going to get beaten and be like, yo, praise Jesus, I got beaten, that I was worthy for Christ. You understand that? So he's saying, I want you that, or I want you over here just as cold as ice, willing to sacrifice. No, I'm sorry. So he said, I just want you cold as ice. I want you just against me, and I want you just to be a God-hating person. Why? Because when you're a God-hating person, then when things go wrong, there's nowhere else to go but up from there. And I want you one of the two. I want you either hot or I want you cold. But the problem is, is when you get in the middle there, you're like, man, I've got just enough God and I've got just enough of my finances where I can go ahead and I can make this thing on my own in life. And that's the problem with America today is because we've got just enough riches where you know what, we're okay. And I've got just enough government to come in there if it's it's not all right. And that's the government intervening in people's life is actually a, a criticism of the church. We wouldn't have to have the government come in and take care if the church was actually doing their job and outreaching to their neighbors and taking care of their community. Because then the government wouldn't have the government. Would be like, hey, we're gonna give money to, right? Nobody. You guys have all right. Church did its job. Praise the Lord. And then, well, they wouldn't say praise the Lord, but they'd say you know, praise the holiday, festive holiday, or whatever that they're gonna say this year. And so they would just you know, it'd be one of those things where it's just the the church did its job. Wow, this is amazing. And then you would see the revival come along, and and well, that's what needs to happen. And, and honestly, I think that the answer to prayers is kind of what's happening in the men's study. And just for the record, that happened the weeks that I wasn't there. Maybe I shouldn't go to men's study more often. But, but anyway, so, but again, just something that we've been, I've been praying about. I know Don's been praying about. And then all of a sudden the Lord just kind of works through people and allows, you know what? There's a stirring in a heart. There's a desire for this to happen. And all of a sudden, okay, yeah, let's, let's pray specifically for people. Why? Because we want that change to happen. Because again, if, if they're over here and they're cold, then you know what's going to happen? Then they can op- have an opportunity to see this. And see this play out in a, in a way that would be praising, uh, pleasing to the Lord. So there's, a, again, there's, there's no doubting. You have to be able to be either in it or not in it. Turn over to Matthew's, um, chapter seven. And I am not finishing the last three verses today. I didn't think I could, but I was hoping so that I wouldn't have to do it next week. But Matthew chapter seven, verse 13. <coughs> We're going to read from 13 on because just to keep it in context there, it says, um, Jesus speaking here, it says, enter my, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes? Um, from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. 
And this is the main verse here. It says, verse 21 says, not everyone who says to me, and again, this is referring back to what he had just talked about. So you're, you're saying there's people out there that are doing works for God and they're, but they're just a bad tree and they're producing something. Okay. And so again, he's saying they're good fruits. If you go to a good Bible church, doesn't have to just be Calvary Chapel, whatever church that is, it's preaching the gospel and they're preaching the word of God. That's a good tree. That's a good, that, that's producing good fruit from that. So he's saying you're going to be able to know that from both sides. Now there might be people who feel like they're a good church. Church, okay, but they're not. Okay, they're they're teaching false doctrine, or they're they're teaching what they own, they believe as far as what the gospel is, and and not what the Bible says. Okay, so that's the context of what the next verse is going to read in here. It says, "But not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who endures does the will of my Father in heaven." Many will say to me in that day, "Lord, Lord, have we not um, prophesied in your name, cast demons out in your name, and done many wonders in your name?" And verse 23 says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You practiced lawlessness. And so again, that's getting back to the importance of making sure that, uh, do you doubt? Well, where where are you at as far as your faith? Do you have a true understanding of what you're talking about? Because see, there's going to be people, people that may be in this church. I don't know. I don't know your beliefs. I think everybody in here is good to go as far as that. But... But I don't know your heart. And so I don't know where you're at. But there's there's people that I know that, that kind of just show up when something happens. And if you've been here for any length of time, you kind of know what I'm talking about. There will be people that, hey, I found out I may have cancer. And they're here for two weeks. Okay? And then the doctor comes back and says, no, nah, man, you're good. You know, cancer. And phew, they're gone. Okay, so again, what what caused them to come within this? Well, well, there's you say you can't. Well, are, you, are you judging them? Well, I'm not judging them, but I'm saying, what is the fruit from their tree? Okay, is there is there fruit good fruit or is there fruit not so good because then in, on Facebook then you see them at bars and they're out and drinking and and you're drunk and they're they're doing things that are there are lawlessness and then so you look at this and you go man and again I'm not in the business of judging God I let, let God do that because he's he's a lot better than I am and so I, I look at that though and I look at their fruit and go man I really need to be care- careful of this person here because when they come in I don't know if they're if they're a believer or they're not a believer. And so I, I treat them in such a way that I don't think that they're a believer. Now, they may be, but I'm going to talk to them about certain things. I'm going to pour into them in different ways. Why? Because I want to make sure that there's a substance to what their faith is, other than are they just like Laodicea? And they've just come in because they just want enough of God to be able to turn around and go out and do whatever that they want from there. Okay, so you see the difference there? So God's saying, hey, look, I want you hot. I want you hot for me. And I want you to know that because of that, then that's the child. That is my child. And I'm going to pour into that person like nobody has ever seen. Nobody's business, okay? I've seen people that, again, like are just, just, just not smart per- people. I mean, there's just, some of it's just not smart. I'm, I, like I confessed last week, I'm, I'm not one of those deep thinkers that get into all the minutiae of everything and, and kind of do all that. This is not me. Now, I enjoy it, okay? But my brain just didn't work that way, okay? And that's fine. I'm fine with being one of those people, okay? So, but, but then there's other people that are just super smart, okay? But those people that are not smart, it's, like me, it's, it's fine because why? Because God still gives them wisdom. And God is able to then, I've seen people that you would consider not smart, maybe hadn't graduated high school, but man, they know their word. And they are just, just full of knowledge. And when you get in their presence, you're like, man, I was in the presence of God. Why? Because they didn't care about the other stuff. They got in here, and when they pray to God, things happen. And when they're in their word and they talk, give you a word of wisdom, you're just like, wow, that was, that was intense. And the world might look at them and go, man, that person doesn't know anything. And I look at them and they're, I'm just one of the smartest people I've met. Why? Because they know God and they know his wisdom. And that's what you want to know. 
So as we look back at what James has already written, he's, he's encouraged us, he's encouraged them, he's encouraged us to kind of go through the trials of life and to consider it joy and be able to, to look at these things and, and know that, that the Lord has got a plan for us. And how do I continue to, to develop that toughness within me and develop that so that I'm ready so that whatever happens in life, whatever comes my way, that I'm going to be like those apostles and go, you know what, I'm going to take this. Why? Because it's going to glorify God in what I'm doing. And I'm not going to cower away from it. Why? Because I'm going to draw closer to Him. Why? Because if, if, if I need wisdom, what does God say? If you just come to me, come to me without any doubting, come to me with the faith that you have, the, all the faith that you can muster, man, I'm going to give it liberally to you. And I'm just going to blow your socks off. You're just going to be like, I, I've, this, this stuff is amazing. And you're going to go out and you're going to give a word to somebody and you're going to share it. And that's going to be the word that they needed to hear that day. Why? Because it didn't come from Kevin. And it didn't come from you. It came from, it came from the Lord. There's many times where I've given a word to somebody that, that the Lord was like just impressing on my heart. Kevin, you need to go share this word. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's awkward. I don't want to do that. And so you're like, well, Kevin, you're kind of outgoing. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I mean, in this setting with my people, I am. But you know, you get outside of that and you're like, I don't know that dude. I don't want to go talk to that person. But then when you go and you give that word and he just makes it so uncomfortable that he makes me go and do it, all of a sudden that person's like, oh, you know, six months later, you know, I'm doing this because we had a guy that was in Fort Lauderdale that I just, I told him he just had just an ability. I don't even remember what I told him. It's the Lord, but it was something about the fact that he had an unbelievable knowledge of the word and that I really felt like he needed to be on the mission field. He and his family, and I, they ended up going to Mexico and who was it that was in our Bible study? So there's the Lord. Anyway, so he, he, he writes back then six months later and says, you know, the reason that I'm doing this is because of the word that you gave me. And, and and you're just like, and again, it wasn't Kevin's word because obviously I couldn't remember it. So it was that, it was that, that incredible. I told you I'm dumb, you know. I mean, it's just not sometimes I'm a smart person. So, but as you come along, it's just, it's just again, it's that impression upon the Lord that the Lord gives you the wisdom that you need. Why at that moment to be able to do what He's called you to do? But that only comes through maturity and the fact that you have to continue to pour back into God and that you continue to grow in Him and that He continues to, to raise you up and give you the gifts that you need to have and the abilities that you need to have and He empowers you to say, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to create a, a list because we want to pray for people to get saved. And not just so that, again, and, and I'll speak for Steve, it's not just so that this church grows. Okay, that's not, it's so that the church grows. Do you understand that, the difference in that? There are some churches that you go to that are either churches or not churches. And so it's a point of where their, their focus is on, let's, let's get some people in the pews, man, so we can, you know, we can really do the Lord's work. We don't need that. Why? Because I've got, I've got God in heaven, and if I'm praying, and I'm, there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we're continuing to do the things that we're doing, well, and guess what? If somebody gets saved, and they say, hey, you know what, I'm gonna go to this church instead, and it's a real church, and it's a solid Bible, praise the Lord, man, that's awesome. You know, just and you just follow up with them. And they're growing. That's awesome, isn't that what we want? We want more believers, and we want more saints in heaven when we get there, instead of having people that are just man. They're one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and they're just ah, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Well, the maturity in us says, you know what I want to do? I want to be able to pour into people, and I want them to get saved, and I want them to get see that within my life, so that there's a difference with everybody else. Stay firm in your faith, guys. Don't lose faith during the trials that you're going to go through and that we're going to go through. It's promised again. You're going to go. You might be in a trial right now. And it's and it's okay. Because again, it was promised that we're going to go through it. It doesn't matter if you're being persecuted right now. It doesn't matter if it's just your own persecution that you're going through right now. It doesn't matter if there's just a lack of faith within yourself. Then, then, then draw back to God 
and allow Him to be the one that fills you up so that then you're ready to do, take on this thing of life. If it's tonight that you're like, man, I, I, I need some alone time with God. I need to be able to, I need to get on my face and I need to be able to say, you know what? No distractions, no nothing tonight. Tonight's the night that I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to turn the TV off and I'm going to turn the distractions off as far as my phone and as far as anything else. And I'm just going to spend some time on my knees and I'm just going to get before God. And I'm just going to ask him just to pour into me and I want to kind of get this thing right so that I'm ready to get me able to move on with my life. Amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for, as Owen said, we thank you for this word, God. We thank you for taking the time to have it written for us your children, so that, Lord, that we have a place to go to to draw wisdom from. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on a cross for our sins, Lord, that, that allows us to come into your presence, Lord, that the veil was torn and that we're able to come into your presence, God, and lay our petitions at your feet. God, again, your word says that our prayers are like incense unto you, God. And I, again, I don't know why you want to speak to me, to us, Lord, but you do. And pray that as, as these sheep go home, these believers go home today, Lord, that, that they will consider that. That they will consider the fact of who you are within their life. That how could a God, how can he do that? How can he pour all that wisdom within to me? And God, Lord, I just pray that we just, we ask for it, Lord. And we just, we pray that all that you want to give to us, God, that you would give to us. So that we would ri- rightly represent you. That we would be those those Christians that, Lord, that will just represent you in a great way. Father, again, we just thank you. We love you so much for what you've done for us. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.